Okay, hi everyone. So welcome to episode 10 of Tetarik with Wallet and I am extremely pleased today for a few reasons. One is the first one obviously because we are doing some self-promotion. This is our book that will be up hopefully in the next 48 hours in bookstores. So go and get it. And secondly, why, why I'm excited today is because we have with us one of the legends in the study of Singapore politics and he's been writing, believe it or not, this book, the first book here with the PAP's dominance. That was in 1991 or 1992, so he's been writing for the longest time and he is to the study of Singapore politics what Hulk Hogan is to the WWE. <laughs> And what Sylvester Stallone is to Hollywood. <laughs> so it's Professor Bilbil Singh. So welcome, Prof Singh. Thank you. So thank, thank you. you and thank you for the opportunity. And I just want to give a shout out to Felix, who was our third author. Yes. Uh, the the, the co-author. And he was also, a lot of you were asking who came out with the title. It was Felix's idea. Unmasking Singapore's 2020 general elections. So uh, without further ado, so uh, Prof, so why should maybe... Why should they get this book? What are the three main things you want them to get out of this book? Or three, three biggest lessons? So today we are going, we have two main motives, right? One is obviously to talk about Singapore politics, the past or the present and the trajectory. Secondly, we want to ensure that this book eventually ends up on the Straits Times bestseller list. Okay, so what are the three main things from this book? I think uh, first thing, uh, thank you for having me. It's really a privilege and honor. A platform of this nature is unique. Uh, it speaks volume of what you have done. Uh, the more we discuss, the more we talk, I think the better we get and the deeper we get and more mature as a society we get. And we get things right. I think I, I, I'm really appreciative. I look forward to the 100th program. Today is the 10th. And hopefully, we <laughs> hopefully, can talk about, hopefully we, we will talk about it. So I think so. Congratulations and thank you for having me. That's one. Uh, with regard to your query, you know, there are so many things in this book. Uh, you can talk in terms of a technical dimension, tactical dimension or at the strategic level. I would just answer from the strategic level. Uh, there are three takeaways are as follows. One, I think I spent 40 years teaching uh, political science in Singapore and uh, uh, teaching a lot on Singapore. One of my preoccupations is I want to see the next generation come up. So this book very clearly and very in a very considered fashion has actually launched for the next 20 to 30 years the two writers were going to be doing a lot of work on Singapore politics. Hopefully. No, no, it's <laughs> going to be Walid and Felix. So I'm actually very proud in terms of rejuvenation of scholarship in Singapore. And which is very, very important because we should not take that for granted. That's one. Uh, number two, if anyone is interested in contextualizing the 2020 GE in the context of the history of GEs in Singapore, mm. then this book tells the story. Many people will just go straight to 2020 and boom, 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 boom. But this one takes you back to 1948, 1951, 55, 59, all the way mm. to this. So you are actually able to locate the book in a very unique fashion. Mm. Number three, politics is about the struggle for power. Politics is about who gets what, when and how. This election was very unique because it was in a crisis. I think for both the contestants, be it the PAP and the opposition, there are valuable lessons to be learned 
as far as this election was concerned. And I think this book is almost no holds bar in terms of what you can learn, whether you take it to heart or not. And I think the gold nuggets in the books are something worth taking away in terms of how do you want to manage politics in this country in the context of changing political architecture and landscape. Thou shall not take the voters for granted anymore. I think the new normal is that, and this book brings it out very clearly. So I think there's a lot to be learned from the book, and I, I recommend the book for that reason. Right, okay. So if we were just uh, to take a look at the building on what you said. So the first uh, chapter is Singapore's electoral history, understanding the past in the present context. So we go back. 40-50 years uh, and immediately we jump into the developments towards uh, towards the election, the build-up and maybe I just read out some chapters, chapter 5, uh, the election campaign, issues and strategies, chapter 6, explaining the results, chapter 7, the workers' party's victory, victories in Haugang, Aljunek and Sengkang and analysis and chapter 8, the implications of uh, the GE 2020. So. To build on, you have also written other books, of course, right? So, is the PAP here to say, which uh, I've been told has sold very well. Uh, <laughs> and also, this is a textbook, Understanding Singapore Politics. So, is the PAP here to stay in light of GE 2020? What do you think? Uh, I think it's an excellent question. I think if you want to answer that question, the first thing you must understand is the context. This is one of the few remaining one-party dominant state in the world. In fact, today, after the fall of Barisan National in Malaysia, this is currently the longest standing right. uh, one-party dominant state uh, in the world in a non-communist setting. Right. Uh, the PAP has no challenge today. I think for the next 10 years, it is without challenge. Uh, the reason being because of the power and political asymmetry is very clear. People sometimes miss the, the boat, so to speak, that wow, 2020 was amazing. Uh, it's 60%, almost to 40%. Right. No, I, I, I disagree with that. It's 90% to 10%. Uh, the super majority of the PAP remains unchallenged. But, is he here to stay will depend on a number of things. One, how the electorate will see and come to appreciate or not appreciate the handover of power, the 3 to 4, 4 to 5G. I think if you still want to live in the past, then you will be in trouble. That's number one. Number two, I think it very much depends on how power is going to be shifted from the 3 to the 4G. It's very critical because the PAP story is simple. It's all about leadership. It's about leadership and it's about leadership. And many of us continue to live in that tradition that we are going to see another Lee Kuan Yew. We're going to see another Lee Kuan Yew. Right. And I think that, that has actually brought a curse to the PAP because people immediately compare. I mean, I've been teaching this for 40 years. Every class takes LKY. That's, that's the second point. So how the PAP does that, I think is very important. You do it well, you prolong. You right. fail, you short-circuit yourself. Number three, I think it depends very much on what the opposition can and cannot do. The, the problem with the opposition in Singapore is, I think sometimes they fail to ask the question, what is the raison debt? They have this serious illness, which is almost pathological. They have the inability to coalesce and cooperate. So politics is about power and power is about grabbing power. If you want to bring 
a party in power for more than 60 years. Personalities on your side are irrelevant. You need to talk about how can I actually win the game by strategizing. I mean, every election, they talk about it, but they don't walk the talk. Eventually, you'll find three-corner fight again and again. In other words, before even the election takes place, the PAP wins. I, I remember talking to Pritam Singh and said, why you are talking of just one-third seats for the WP? He said, let's get real. <laughs> Mm. Let's get real. So I think even Lao Tia Kang talks about it. Pritam talks about it. What more the other parties? So I think uh, the PAP is here to stay for 10 years. But the single most important issue which needs to be watched and the single important issue which has actually brought others down is what we call in political science elite fragmentation. Mm. So leadership is not just leadership. The ability of the leadership to get its act together within the party. Now, this is something which the PEP needs to watch. You get it there wrong, the whole thing will unravel. I think that's the thing which needs to be watched for the next 10 years. That was I started in 1991-92, looking at it. They did a good job. But my reason of explaining why the glue remained, mainly it was because the ability of our founder, Prime Minister, who was the greatest political leader we ever produced, Lee Kuan Yew, to keep the party together. Amazing. Now, is there someone who can replace him as far as that is concerned? I think it's the $6 million question ahead for us. Right. Okay, so there's a lot in, in what you just said. So let's deal with, so there are two, two main parts. One is inability of the opposition mm. uh, and the other one is leadership transition. Right. Okay. So let's explore both things. Mm. So the first is, you said there's a pathological uh, inability uh, to coalesce. Uh, and we, we sort of saw that even just a few days ago, sure, right? Sure. With uh, Jose Raymond yeah. uh, and leaving the party. And it seems from the statement, I don't want to say anything libelous, it seems and it appears from the statement like all is not well within the party, right? And which is why there was a, I would say, a dig at him saying yes. that it's not about personalities. Uh, so, okay, so we know that the opposition has always experienced fragmentation, disunity, splits. Mm. Uh, but do you think the even the term opposition can be a bit of a misnomer sure. right? because the WP is not the SPP for example. Do you think just to explore this, the WP needs to work with the other parties or the WP is better off uh, going solo, flying solo? I, I think the bigger question to ask is what is the opposition there for? What is the opposition's function in the unique context of Singapore politics? That's one. Number two, when you look at so many political parties, which I call tier two and tier three, uh, I call uh, PAP is tier one, Workers' Party is actually division one. Okay. It's, not, it's not the Premier League, right. but it's division one. But all the others, I think the PSP have done a good job of coming forward, but to me it's still not division one. Uh, it's probably minus 0.5 below, but it's an amazing thing that they come forward. The big question to ask is, why are you there on the political ground? Mm. If the answer is I'm there for political decoration, if I'm there because I want to be a personality to remember, uh, I stood in XYZ constituency, I lost my deposit, never mind, but you know, I enter into history. I mean, if that's the real reason that, then I think something is wrong with the whole concept of opposition. But if the concept is, I think we want to create a lot of dynamism in the political system, the more checks and balances, the better. But to start, we need to come together. So if that question is there, then I think the Workers' Party will ask, do I come together, coalesce, cooperate, or I don't? So far, the message is very clear. The WP has not been keen 
to join the other party. Right. And the question is, understandable, why should they? Yes. Exactly. Why should why they? Should they, they, yeah. they are already so strong. Right. They already have a brand name. Right. They have a currency. They have a following. They have an ideology. Right. Even we even call them PAP Life, which, <laughs> is, which is to me a compliment. An endorsement. An endorsement. Right. You know? So they have, they have arrived. Right. Right. If you have arrived, it's not just having arrived. They have been in power since 1981 on and off. No other political party other than the PAP have got that stature. Number two, this mm. is the oldest serving political party, non-PAP, as far as opposition goes in 1957. Right. And don't forget, the first Prime Minister, quote-unquote, of Singapore, Chief Minister, Chief they call Minister, him, right. but was from WP, right, right. who became the WP right. uh, founder. Right. So I think the, the, the brand of WP is very unique in Singapore's history. Not only in terms of Parliament and LA, Legislative Assembly, they used to run town councils, mayors and so on and so forth. It's amazing. So to me, why should they? So at the end of the day, I think the incentivization is very clear. Mm. And the incentivization cannot strictly be a WP thing. It right. has to be a holistic thing. That is not found or available in Singapore. And because of that, the PAP's existence as a one-party dominant state will be prolonged. Right. So because the opposition is too weak. In many ways, right? I mean, they are, they are split and they are divided either because of personality or ideology or the WP, which is primus inter pares among the opposition, just have no incentive to join right, forces with right, them. Right, exactly. Okay, so you, you mentioned the Premier League and hmm. Division 1 and Division 2. So where is the SDP in that? Division 1 or Division 2? Division 2, very clearly. For you, they are not. They are nowhere in the same league, nowhere near the same league as the WP. They are not there for a simple reason. In politics, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. Right. You have not been in parliament since 91. Mm. Simple as that. So people are going to ask, yes, this is a have-been political party. So I think they should have worked harder. I think the image of the w, uh, SDP has improved. Right. Uh, Chi Juan have mellowed somewhat. And I think they have done much better than the past. I think the greatest uh, achievement of the uh, SDP is that they got... Uh, Professor Paul Tambayar right. to actually make a difference. Right. Just imagine if Professor Paul had been in the WP, what would have done to the WP? Right. I mean, so I think the SDP has improved, but there is one, the issue of the past. But number two, I think by not being in power for how long now, they have actually lost up to the uh, WP as the, the party of the day as far as the opposition is concerned. So put it this way, if you talk about who is the governing party in Singapore? You immediately talk PAP. Who is the opposition party in Singapore? You immediately want WP. How many of us will think of the SDP? Mm. And in fact, now there is something else. People start thinking, oh, there's the PSP. Mm. There's Tanuk Tan So I think they actually missed something on the way, in the way, and they got lost uh, in the pursuit of political power. And uh, which is actually a pity. My sense is the more you diversify the political environment, I think the richer we get. Because they have a brand name. Don't forget, SDP in 1991, as this blue book talks about, was an amazing phenomenon. Right. They captured three of right, the four right, opposition right, seats. Right, right. They have never ever been able to come close to it. The worst thing is that they have suffered politically for one reason or another. Right, okay. So, uh, interestingly, you mentioned uh, Professor Tambaya and if he was in the w if you were in the WP. So, I asked him that exact same question. And he thinks that if he were in the WP, he still wouldn't have uh, won the seat. Uh, and let's just say we 
we agree to disagree on that. Yeah. <laughs> I think he would definitely be an MP. Yeah. But I guess it makes sense for him to be in the SDP because ideologically it's more aligned. I agree. So I guess I I agree with you in the sense that the SDP is not there in terms of the numbers, in terms of victories. But in terms of ideological, do you think they are a significant force against the PAP? Because their ideology is very clear, very well defined in Correct. opposition to them. I think among the opposition, it is the most clearly defined. Uh, but unfortunately for me, I think it's going to take a long time to gain traction with the voters. Right, right. I think that's my problem. Right, that's right. why uh, I'm, I'm a little troubled with the SDP because of the way they move in terms of trying to mobilize, uh, talking about Operation Cold Store in a particular fashion, which nationally is not the main issue. Yeah, so, and so on and so forth. They've been doing it again and again. So to me, sometimes I think they try to brand themselves. I don't know whether they believe it or not, but they want to be different. You know? And by being different on an issue which is not going to gain traction, uh, is that politically wise? Mm. It's an interesting issue. Right. Compare that with NSP, compare that even with RDU, the latest party on the ground, compare that with PSP or Workers' Party. I mean, the ball game is zero. I think Singaporeans are politically very conservative. I mean, that's one thing I come across or in the four decades of understanding. Do you think that is still the case after G8 I, I think it's still the case in the main. In the main. But there are going to be changes on the ground, especially in terms of how the younger generation move forward. But I think there is also a proviso. If there is a crisis and uh, their bread and butter are issues, then I think there are going to be far more greater risk takers Whereas in the past, uh. they would have thought, run to Papa. Right, 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 right. So I think there's a change there. So okay. I, I think the uh, lack of understanding or failure or not able, able to appreciate the younger generation is they are not going to think like their parents. Right. Okay. I think the parents had this, what I call the grateful factor. I think the younger generation feel they are entitled. Right. Hey, I'm entitled. I'm a citizen. You keep telling them, yeah, number one, number one, number one, number one, number right. one. And all of a sudden, you say, hey. How come I lost up to A, B, C, and then you say, hey, married, la friend. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, so I think, then you say we are citizens. Then you say, oh, we are, this is a nation in being. Or whatever. So I think they get trouble with that. Right. And uh, I think they find uh, a lot of discontinuities as far as that is concerned. But I think on the whole, we have done well. But I think we need to also manage the growing... Uh, Call them educated, call them matured, call them people want a bit of more difference. People call them they want a little bit more challenging on the ground. But I think there is a slight change taking. Right. But doesn't mean they're going to support the SDP. Of course, of course. That's, of course. The, that's exactly. the point, is it? Exactly. Uh, in fact, my yeah. sense is they will go for the opposition and basically WP uh, for the main reason because they are able to see the translation of their protest against the PAP. Right. So to me, it's still largely a protest. Right, right, right. And they know the WP is not going to be the government. But if tomorrow the choice is between a PAP government and a WP government, I don't think in the next 10 years people will jump and say, let's go for the WP right. government. I don't think so. Right. Not so, yet. So they and, are more willing to vote for the WP now because the PAP is nowhere near in danger of the okay, right. okay. And I think this speaks volume of what the PAP have done. Right. That's why when you ask me, is the PAP here to say, my answer is yes, because of the political asymmetry, and they have done well. But if from now to say 10 years, they start faltering leadership, policies, right. issues, legitimacy, and that sort of, then people will say, hey, 
you are just becoming a typical third world normal political party and you have forgotten your roots, forgotten who we are and uh, you're more interested in the foreigner, more interested. I mean, you know, the problem with meritocracy is this. When we start all equal, fine. But after 30 years, mm -hmm. those who benefited from meritocracy becomes a class unto itself. Right, right. If that class, I think uh, our friend from NPU talked about that. Right. So if that happens, then the unequal dimension becomes a political issue. Right. And then the empire will strike back. Right. Okay. So of course, uh, Prof was re uh, referencing Professor Teo Yo Yen's uh, book, This is What Inequality Looks Like. Yep. If you haven't read it, please get it. It has sold mm. 34,000 copies. Yep. I don't know how, but it has. Okay, one of my uh, favorite books. Uh, so now moving on to what uh, what you mentioned, and you said that the PAP has done well, right? And and people do do perceive that. And I think definitely that is true uh, of the first generation, second generation. Even I would say that is largely true of PM Lee and his team. Sure, it is right. Uh, the the issue with the PAP having done well, right? A lot of people do not see the 4G as the, the same PAP as it was, right? Uh, and would there be some issues in terms of legitimacy? And if we just look at the 2020 elections, the 4G ministers didn't get yep. uh, the, as, uh, the, uh, as good a result as the, four, the, as the 3G ministers. Of course, that, that's a very simplistic way of looking at it because it was the 4G ministers that were up against the WP mostly. Exactly. Uh, so, do you think there is some legitimacy issue that the 4G needs to resolve? Or do you think it's just a normal transition thing and as you give them more time, they will, they will be able to regain these votes? I still believe that the 3G have succeeded in getting the brightest sons and daughters for the 4G. Okay. I mean, look at Heng Sui Kei, Chan Chun Singh, Ong Yi Kang, Janiel Indrani. I mean, I can go on with the list. Right, right. I mean, they are primus in the paras in terms of leaders there. So they've done very, very well. The issue is one, as you rightly pointed out, where they contested. I think if they have contested in other areas, the results would have been different. If you have put the 4G contesting against RDU or MSP, then I think, I mean, generally they would have performed much better. I think that's one. Number two, by and large, I think the 3G have not really transferred power. It's still right. running the show. I mean, but a bit, and maybe probably for the right reason. I mean, uh, who is there to compete with PM? Who is there to compete with the giant of national politics in right. Singapore, Darman? Shamugam right. uh, is an amazing politician still. Whether you like him or not, they, he is the iron of the PAP. And uh, in an environment where there are challenges of all kinds, I think you need people like Shamugam. You may disagree with his style or whatever, but you remember he personifies something which is amazing. So and I can go on in terms of that sense. So there is a very strong 3G dimension still in politics. Of course, if you want the 4G to grow, yeah. uh, they need to get out of the shadow and the sun of the 3G. I suspect the Prime Minister is in a dilemma. If I hand over now in a crisis, which is the most serious crisis we ever have got since, to me, 1963, not even 65, 63, after having captured political power right. this is the worst crisis economically politically socially culturally i think he want to hang on probably for another two years i don't think he's going to see through uh, until the next g it will be a major strategic mistake as far as i'm concerned if that happens and then you will see the three uh, four g grow the only sad thing then is that the man anointed to take over would have aged that is mr Heng uh, okay. so I, I i think yes 
You know, sometimes it's good for the 3G to do, or 4G to do badly. Why? I think they have to work hard right. to earn the trust. And I think the best signal they got from the public is, Dow have to work harder. Mm. Clear. Right. <coughs> I mean, East Coast. Look at the way they are working. Unbelievable. So, I mean, I mean, it's, uh, Hank Swicket is an amazing political leader. Uh, known him for, for some years now. So I, I think, that, and the way he responded to the result is an amazing performance. And there, I literally see his post-GE consequence, quote-unquote, of a narrow margin in an, an amazing fashion. And what is the amazing fashion? Let's reverse this. And what is the reason? Let's learn from this. So in other words, I think they're not very emotional about the whole thing. They know they've got a super majority. You know, there, there are differences in terms of variation of who got what, when, and how. Right. But look, we have won. Now, how do we prevent this from happening again? Because the traditional mind was, in a crisis, we will win hands down. Right. It did not happen. I think it was a good thing. Why is it a good thing? When you have a crisis of this nature, and the leadership is still compact and strong, you are able to make a mistake. Right. Can you imagine if this was happening at a time of weak leadership right. and terrible crisis? Then it would be a very, right. very double whammy, you know? So, no, I, I still think that 4G will do well for a simple reason. Where's the competition? I don't see the competition. I don't see at all. I mean, you put uh, Ong and Chan and Heng and Indrani and Janil and Maliki and Bushes on the other side. You think the public will generally go on the other side? I know one day, as Lee Kuan you said, that day will come. But I don't think it's at the moment. I think the 4G will see through. The question to me is not 4G. Because we are familiar with the 4G since 2011, generally. The question will be the 5G. Hmm. To me, I'm more concerned and looking at the 5G. Therefore, I look at 10 years from today. Hmm. 2030, what will be the shape and color, direction and dimension and dynamics of the PAP? Because that's what this question is all about. Right. With the PAP's dominance. Right. You know, today they are solid. I mean, I mean, people sometimes fail to appreciate that 89% control of parliament is actually absolute control of parliament. Right. And it gives you a sense of complacency sometimes. Oh, because 61% right. only. You got it wrong. In politics, it's not the total vote which counts. It's the parliamentary power. The power to vote a bill in and out. That is more important. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's explore this uh, a little bit. By the way, it's already 25 minutes. We left about 15-20 minutes. By the way, the... I think half of the students, uh, half the people on uh, from NUS, maybe the, uh, amongst the students are uh, half from NTU. Those who are from NTU have never been exposed to Prof. Singh. This is him. This is how his lectures are. But the humor ten times, right? This one is a bit, <laughs> it's a bit serious. So uh, you talk about power being represented in the parliamentary seats rather than the vote share. Uh, if I were to give you a scenario, two scenarios, right? If the PAP had to choose between get, getting 70% of votes but losing 10 seats as opposed to getting all the seats, losing 0 seats but getting only 51% of the votes, which one do you think they would take? Because I think they would take the 70% because the 51% that means 
they only need a little bit of swing here and there for them to lose completely. So I, I, wouldn't I, I, the vote share still mean a lot? I think it would mean not the way the scenario you have given. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is extreme. This is extreme. This extremism is not the norm, is it? So you see, but I think one day it will arrive. Right. That kind of scenario. So? I mean, just look at the way Barisan National lost right, power. Right, 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 right. They lost two thirds majority. Right, slowly. Then they, they, they lost popular right, vote. Right. Then they even that below they only have forty seven percent, but they still got the parliament. Correct. You know? So I think once that stage is reached, the red light is shining. Right. Okay. Then the question would be, how is the PAP going to remain in power? Because you are not, you are no longer in a position. To right. stop the veto from the opposition, because you no longer have two-third majority, you are no longer free to change rules and regulations. Right. Because don't forget, you know, uh, this brings to another bigger question. Just because you have control ninety percent, or even seventy percent, or say say eighty percent, you have the right power to change rules and regulations as you like. Right. You know, you will say I I can change because I won, but some and, and at the end of the day you are legal, but then people will ask, are you just right? So is Pofma just? Right, right, right. right. So uh, is abortion just? Right. So right. you uh, is, then, is is casino just? And then that was a theme of this election, right? Exactly, right. Especially amongst younger voters, Massive. minority voters. I mean, a lot of them were really concerned about the perceived unfairness. Absolutely, because uh, two years prior to that, the whole issue of meritocracy, social inequality, right, right. Uh, position of foreigner, so all that came to to the fore. And then all of a sudden, it became an issue in the midst of the election. Right. Is Reza comes right. clearly, you know. I mean that it, it it became personified because of that. And I think the the shift in Sekang happened because of that. Because right. majority of the voters there were young voters, you know, and majority of the WP team were on the average right. able yeah. to resonate with right. the voters compared to the other side. So yes, uh, you are right. But I think at the same time. This will happen. I think this is something Mr. Lee Kuan Yew anticipated. Right, right. In 2011 January, he talked about this. Right. He said it will happen. So to me, the warning to the PAP, which is a good warning, is that you have to work very hard at it. Don't forget, this is not a God-given right to rule this country. Right, right. One day, things can change. But they will change in the following way. I give you power, make it happen, earn the right to rule. Right, right. But the day you do not make it happen, then you are going to be short-circuited. Right, because what made the difference between our forefathers was they trusted the party because the party did something amazing. I still believe the best PAP's manifesto is the 1959 manifesto. They delivered on jobs, school, housing, security, safety, future. That was the best. That manifesto has never been repeated in many, many ways because people lived and they saw the PAP talking and walking the manifesto. Mm. But since then, people have been growing successfully, developing, uh, unequally maybe. But most people are successful because they compare to where they came from. But today, you, your children, my children, we don't compare, oh, I'm coming from India, my uncle is still toiling that a half acre of land and this is going to be split between 10 children. We don't talk like that. In fact, it's the other way around. Hey, you, know, you may be an ordinary guy, but you can own a four-room flat. Right. And your children are schooling and two of them are in the university. 
that I have arrived. So I think the Pep delivered those basic things. Today, uh, suppose Maslow, no? right, right. higher needs. Right, right. You know, that's where we are. So right. I think when we look at that, I think it's good to look at the whole dimension and then the perspective is important. Okay, okay. thanks for that. So let's take a couple of uh, audience questions. There's one from Gary and I have to take one from him. Uh, we both have talked him before. So he asked, why was there no flight to safety mindset? Uh, do you want to elaborate uh, on that? What happened? Was it... What did things uh, turn during the campaigning and what was perceived to be high-handed tactics or was there a fundamental apprehension towards the 4G or what was it? Because I think generally people would, even the Workers' Party has said this, that the government has handled COVID pretty decent. Right. Yeah. I think where, where they dropped the ball was the foreign workers and I the dormitories. So. I think that, that was a huge mistake. But other than that, you would say that they've done pretty okay, especially in terms of the death toll. That speaks uh, volumes of their work. So, where did they go wrong then? Uh, Gary, thanks for that. Uh, I, I think, on the whole, the PEP did very well. Whether it was with regard to COVID, and then responding to COVID in general, especially looking after Singaporeans, they did par excellence. I think, you know, where... I think it's psychological. I think where they fail, whether you want to use the word fail in the proper sense right. or not, if they had called for an election, say, March, April, then people would have really felt the crisis. You call for an election, talking about a crisis, 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 everyday crisis, crisis. <laughs> By the time they went to the election, it, it was no longer a crisis. People had learned to live with the crisis. They are already talking about it. People have already spent the money. What crisis? Where is the crisis? Yeah? Mask, no mask. Uh, social distancing, no social distancing. So in other words, <laughs> my sense is they failed to mind the crisis. Mm. They failed to mind the crisis. They, if they have done it earlier, I mean, look at previous election. The moment the Malaysians and the Indonesians had a military exercise, two weeks later, there's a general election. Hey, they could have landed on this side of the causeway rather than right. why that's true. September 11. September 11, exactly. Right. So I, th I think the time lag was right. something they failed to mind. That's and this was why uh, myself and even uh, Eugene Tan and the others, we were calling for an election, not in 2020, in 2019. I think the PEP would have done very well because the flight to safety would have happened not because of COVID, but because of the US-China trade right, war. Right, right. So I think uh, it was the sense that there's no crisis. Right. And so that allowed them to play politics. Right, you know, right. Whether it was uh, uh, 4G or 3G or other issues, and then I think certain aspects of uh, the campaigning played a part and so on and so forth. But people felt, hey, we are okay. And I think people still felt, look at the opposition. Two parties from nomination day, uh, sort of from uh, parliament being dissolved to nomination day, even say, I'm not going to participate. The opposition is giving in. Chan Chenbok talked of participating in 40 seats in the end, half of it. Pritam Singh talked about one third, eventually how many seats. So you saw the opposition withdrawing is contestation and that, that's interesting as well because did the opposition also uh, miscalculate ground sentiment then right because the fact that they were withdrawing probably they were expecting the flight to safety safety I, I, th I think two things one they thought ah this is loss right maybe not as badly as right. 19 2015 right. because uh, that was this one you said yeah, yeah. so it was a different emotion right this one I think people are going to go for the PAP and they're going to do it well. Right. So let's save our money for the next election. That right. kind of mentality. And I think number two, I think the fear was 
no rallies. Right. Especially for the WP, no right. rallies. Hey, how are we going to get traction? This social media thing, you know, like what we are doing now, is not going to win the hearts and minds. Right. So, but kudos to them, they turned that around and uh, they did far better than the PAP in terms of using social right, media. Right, right. But the PAP benefited from their earlier house to house, all the goodies which they delivered, especially with regard to older citizens. So that only stopped after February, March. So they actually right. mined from 2015 to about January, February 2020. And there's five years of investment. They benefited from right, that. Right, right, right. Correct. I mean, elections don't start on nomination day or of course. the dissolution of parliament. And uh, talking about house visits, one, one of the things that I've seen now, uh, for instance, the W. I mean, the WP has always had a good ground game anyway. But even in East Coast, I see the, the candidates that lost, they are still going every week weekly literally weekly they are going for the visits and yep. i see that even the sdp uh, dr chi has adopted a different approach he's now yes. a local yes. <laughs> candidate instead of a national, national candidate. candidate so maybe we see some learning on the part of sdp as well so there was another question from i i don't know who it was uh, but uh, should uh, should we change to a proportional representation system i mean our culture I mean, that debate is not a new one, by the way. Yeah. And the PAP will say uh, uh, GRC, NCMP, NMP is a variant of it, which is not. Which right. is not. Right. Okay? <laughs> so should be or should be not. I, I, I mean, you can argue that the cows come home whether one is better than the other. Uh, uh, my, my response to the question is, why fix it if it's not broken? Right. You know? So uh, why would that be better than the current one? Right. Uh, my sense is, the whole argument that the GRCs are impenetrable no longer works. My sense is uh, PM Lee will go down into history in terms of downsizing the GRCs and expanding the SMCs. And in the next year, next year, next election, probably you're going to see more GRCs and smaller GRCs and more SMCs. So I think the, pel the, the playing field is going to get leveled. Number three, I think the quality of opposition could whether you like it and we can see that we success can see that. breeds success right? there, there's going to be more uh, credible candidates who want to serve in and, the opposition because and, therefore and then the next thing is looking at the three uh, looking at the 4G and some 5G I think they are going to have a run for their money in the next general election right. so I think there is no need for me at the moment to change because this system is about to undergo a massive uh, reshape right. or rechange or whatever you call it because I think people are generally comfortable. We Singaporeans uh, are not so, uh, what's the word? I mean, they're not revolutionary. We are incrementalists. Right. This will be actually a very big change. Right. So I suspect we are going to see this shift slowly and surely. And I think people are going to say, okay, we have got 10% now. Next election may be 12%, 15%. And then if they start to quarrel among themselves, hey, right. it's going to be... 5149. Right. So right. things are going to happen. Right. So don't take it for so, granted. So, so that one depends. Right. So the questioner was also saying about how it's going to be more reflective of. So if 60% uh, votes for PAP, 60, uh, the PAP will get 60% of the seats. However, what I would say is don't forget that the electoral system also affects how you vote. Exactly. So if it's a proportional representation mm. system, there's no guarantee that the mm. PAP will still get 60. 
probably people will become more conservative in their vote. Exactly. So there is that psychological effect in the political science literature as well. So, so it's not a panacea, I think, the proportional representation system, and it comes with it's a host of other problems as well. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a debate we can have uh, for another day. But I think uh, thank, uh, that, that, that was a good question. I'll just take two more comments, and we only have about five more minutes, so we'll, uh-huh. we'll have to. And uh, so uh, Haikal says that social media won the... Uh, hearts and minds of the younger voters. Do you think it is uh, as simple as that, or do you think it was missteps by the PAP that won the hearts and minds of, or not won the hearts and turned the hearts and minds of younger voters again? So it wasn't a pro WP vote or pro pro opposition, but it was an anti PAP vote. I think it was not so much anti as much as a protest in certain areas. Right, that's right, one. Right, that's right, one. Right, Number right. two. The, listen, the PAP still won almost 62%. Right. They won 90%. So uh, when you say change, my sense is I think the PAP was a little bit complacent in the use of social media, thinking that the crisis will advantage them. And they focus on the old social media, Facebook. Right. They lost sight of YouTube, they lost sight of Instagram, right, right, right. and so on and so yeah, forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the opposition was much smarter because they were leveraging on what the younger people were looking and playing with. Right, right. The tools of the game changed. Right. So it's not a question but of... But they were still on Facebook, of, right? They yeah. were on Facebook. Yeah. That's because Prime Minister got more than 1 million Facebook. <laughs> Doesn't mean he's going to win. Right, Why? Right, right. Because the, the game changer was somewhere else. Right, right, right. And I think Purat, he has won, he has won. Right, right. But where the change took place, with regard to the younger people, to me was this new media, new platform. And I think I agree with the questioner that I think there's an area we need to pay a bit more attention. Right. And this is an area where one, your opposition did very well. Two, right. but they did very well when? They did very well in particular during the campaign period. Right. If you look at the quality and the number of hits during this period, it was amazing. I think my students did some research here. It was interesting to look at how certain number of uh, candidates like Jameis, Britain. Right. Okay, uh, Nicosia, right. how they actually went up during this period compared to the right. traditional right. 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 So right. there was a change there. And, 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 and also when I was looking through the WP candidates, right, they, each of them felt like they had their own personality. Yeah. Uh, when, whereas when I look at the PAP candidates, right, I'm sure all of them have their own personalities, <laughs> but they feel so restrained and constrained, I don't know, in, in terms of their media appearances. It seems like almost all of them are replaceable with each other. I'm talking about the new ones. Uh, yeah. and whereas the WP, it seems to me that they were able to harness social media better to, to make them more relatable to people. That I, was my impression. I found the new PAP candidates being bottlenecked yeah. by one thing. Right. Humble beginning. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And I thought it backfired after a I while. agree. I it agree. backfired. So if they have tried to show that, yes, right. I mean, people listen to the first guy, second guy, right, by right. the third time, you know, they, uh, there's a script right, 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 right So then right. you lost, even right. though many of them did come did, from did humble, 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 humble background. Right, 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 right. So whereas the workers' party, you know, the way they were dancing around, playing around, right, right, right. Uh, so they were much more... Uh, associated with the people right. and they were not formal all the time. Right. I think that was, was that formal, right? The, the new candidate. You can very formal. So I oh, think yeah. the Workers' Party showed that we are part of the people. Right, right. So in fact, at the end of the day, it's not just Workers' Party, it became People's Action Party on the other side. Right. So I suspect they wanted to prove uh, Vivian Balakrishnan, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. So, second last question. Uh, Firoz asked, uh, there seems to be people have been talking about, oh, are there 
different camps within the BAP and, and ultimately it's all speculation but I guess the most important question do you think DPM Heng will, is, will still be the next PM? I'm absolutely sure he's the next DP, uh, next PM the simple reason is this you know in the Chinese culture the crown prince is very important the crown prince is selected by the emperor for a simple reason he's senior he's noble he's able to do the job because if he does not the emperor looks bad the right. crown prince looks bad and he brings about instability and eventually dynastic fall right. simple as so that so the fact that PMA has committed to it there's no way that I don't think so right. okay. the question would be how long right. it's one right, 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 right. so, so that's me, a separate question to me it's a secondary question right, right, right. he will be the next PM uh, for the simple reason also what is his mistake no mistake in fact without him his course would have been lost right. simple as that right. so I think he has done well right okay so this is a final question right and a lot of times whenever students and students of political science will know when when they say they study political science and say what, what do you study right? especially one of the worst things we hear is oh in singapore what politics is there i mean that's that's obviously not the wisest way to think about singapore politics but in general what is the value of studying political science and, and you have been at nus for 30 plus years, almost 40? 43. 43 years, NUS, <laughs> political science. So what is the value of studying political science? One, there's politics everywhere. The day you got married, as a son, as a daughter, as a worker, uh, climbing the bus, getting down on the bus. Politics is everywhere. Yes, it's uh, part Prof of mentioned life. First was marriage, for uh, sure. There's politics everywhere. That's one. <laughs> I think number two, what we as political science teachers train you is a creative mind. There is nothing fixed. You are like a cock in an ocean moving around and your ability to look and measure, weigh is so critical and we produce those critical-minded individuals. Uh, at the end of the day, you have to make that judgment call and I think political science trained you to live in an uncertain world, in a highly diversified, complex world, but to be nuanced. I think that's critical. Right. How you are nuanced in a difficult environment that will ensure your success and that is what PS is all about. Right, so I, I, I'm actually quoting Russell Brand now that you mentioned nuance, right? He actually said that tyranny is the deliberate removal of nuance. Whenever somebody forces you to have an argument without providing the opportunity to be nuanced, yeah. I think that, that is tyrannical and hopefully it's through political science, through the social sciences that we are able to develop these abilities. And somebody asked what's the difference between NTU political science, <laughs> NTU PPJ and NS political science. That's not a question I'm going to answer in front of my mentor. So, whenever as a teacher, as a political scientist, as a Singapore student, you know, the task ahead of you is so critical. But what makes you so powerful, what makes you so animate is that you know the power behind you. I mean, I'm a Sikh warrior, we Sikhs are warriors. Uh, we all know at the end of the day, I'm going to move forward uh, hosting a flag, which is red and white, moon and crescent. I'm going to come back with the flag, but if I don't come back hosting the flag, I don't mind coming back wrapped in the flag, but I'm going to come back. And that's what political science teaches you about nation, people, citizenship. That's power. Wow. Yeah, I hope you guys are inspired enough to at least read some political science books or subjects, modules, if you're still in university. Professor Sin, do you any final words for our young audience? Or? We need more Walids around, more <laughs> Felix around. Because the technology is there, the political environment is opened up, the spaces are there. It's up to you to, in a very responsible, nuanced way, to move forward. Don't cry and say, oh, I can't move forward. You can. 
This is the tenth program. I'm looking forward towards the hundred program. Hopefully, I want another hundred wallets out there, Hopefully. and this country will be that much richer. Okay. Thank you so much, Professor Singh.